There's a story of a man by the name of Ed Watt. He tells this story. He says they had uh, gone into the, into the local mall, and they were going around into the different stores and getting some of the things they needed. And one of the things they needed, his wife needed a new, uh, new uh, luggage, piece of luggage for some uh, trips she had coming up. And so they, they purchased that. They went over to another spot and they found a cooler because he liked the fish and he needed a new cooler for his fishing trip. So they had the, the two things and they were lugging them around the mall. And uh, he was in the department store at the shoe store. And his wife was doing some shopping. And the clerk came up to him and asked him, Sir, could I help you with anything? He says, No, I'm just here waiting on my wife. Well, there was another, another gentleman who was uh, there as well, husband apparently. He said, I'm waiting for my wife too. It never even dawned to me to bring lunch and a change of clothes. <laughs> Sometimes the things that are going on, the turmoil that's going on in the world, the rush that sometimes we can be in, can sometimes take away the peace of God that we're supposed to have. And we spent a, about four weeks looking at the joy of the Lord and how we can make our life complete, that there are some things that we can do that bring the joy of God into our life. There are some things we can do that actually help us to become producers of joy, and in us, just joy overflows. That's the way God wanted it to happen. And we spent some, some weeks looking at that. We looked at some of the principles in the New Testament. We looked at principles in the Old Testament. We looked at principles that had to do with married couples. We had looked at principles that had to do with singles. We looked at principles that had to do with all the different kinds of relationships we have in our life and how we can bring joy and how we can make sure that the world does not take that joy away. We looked at how we can maintain that joy. We looked at how we can regain that joy if it has been lost. So now today we're going to move on into another area. The things that we can add to our life to make our life complete. And that would be the peace of God. The peace of God that we have, God has it available for us. It's something that we can do. But we've got, we got to understand what the peace of God does inside of our life. It doesn't just make us feel good. The peace of God actually has a function. And the Word of God tells us what these functions are. We saw that in the joy of the Lord. Remember the function that the joy of the Lord has in your life? Strength. It brings strength into your life. If you have the joy of the Lord full in your life, you are strong. And you are able to take on anything that comes on. But the enemy wants to sap that joy and thereby take that strength away and you become more vulnerable. Well, there's some other things that God has given us and peace is one. We're going to see what is it that the peace of God is supposed to produce, supposed to do in our life. What effect is it supposed to have on us? And how can we get that peace of God to be fully manifested in our life? We want our peace to be full the way that our joy is full. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it reads this way. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How many of all like that? That's the refrigerator verse right there. In the world you will have, not might have, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation in the world. If you are in the world and you have tribulation, everything's fine. Sometimes we, we've come to think that if I have tribulation in my life, something must be wrong. No. If you don't have tribulation, something is wrong. Because of the word that is in you. So if you have no tribulation, no persecution coming in your life, there's not enough word in you. Get some more word and you'll attract plenty. But you ought to be having some, some tribulation. 
You ought to be happy. He said in the world, you will have, not might have, you will have tribulation. How many of us are in the world? Of course we are. We're here. <laughs> the uh, college I went to, president there, Dr. Robert A. Cook, used to always start off his radio shows this way. He says, how in the world are you? How in the world are you? Now, I heard that more than most people did because I used to run his tape ministry or his, uh, uh, his radio ministry. Somehow I came into, into doing that, picked up one thing here, another thing there. Eventually I was, I was doing the radio ministry for the time I was there. And so one of the duties that I had was to make all... Back, this is, there's no cassettes. This is all reel-to-reel. Everything is reel-to-reel. And uh, one of the things you had to do was to make copies in the real-to-real format and send out to all the radio stations. And there were over 50, I think it was 52 radio stations we had at the time. And so we had to make 52 copies of the real-to-real. And on the real-to-real was the entire week's program. So what we had to do was I would run the copies off. You know, it's not a cassette duplicator. You put a cassette in, a cassette in, it's real-to-real. So we had to make 50 copies of that. And you had to make sure that each one was good because you can't send a bad one to the radio station. That's not, that's not good so each, each and every one I had to listen to for at least the beginning of it. And so I would hear the beginning of every one of those tapes. You know what was in the beginning of every one of those tapes? How in the world are you? <laughs> and after I heard how in the world are you, all the different times that I needed to hear, you know, it was okay. We put it in the box. We sent it on over to the, to the place where we go. How in the... And he, he was very... Very, uh, very explicit about that. We are in the world. So how in the world are you? So I can never hear that phrase the same way without him hearing him teach on this, on this thing. And how in the world, how in the world are you? He also used to end his radio shows the same way. Anybody ever heard Dr. Robert A. Cook on the radio? I know my mom did. That's about it, huh? All right. Walk with the king today. And be a blessing. That was his sign off. Walk with the King's King's College. He used to always say, walk with the King today and be a blessing. Good things to sign off with. Anyway, side note. How in the world are you? In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have it. It will come. It's expected. It's normal. If you have tribulation from problems, from people, from things, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It's how you deal with the tribulations. But in the world, you have tribulations. Now, let's look at this verse again. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Where are we? In the world. But then he also talked about promises, about in him, in whom, in Christ. We are supposed to live in him, in this world. So in him I have peace. In the world I have tribulation. But I'm in the world by being in him. So as long as I operate in him. In this world. Tribulation goes on around me. But in me I have. This peace is so great. That a storm could be brewing around you. And you could be in the bottom of a boat. And be, still be asleep. You can have multitudes rise up around you that want to kill you. And you just walk right through them. That's the kind of peace you can have. The enemy wants to steal your joy. But he also wants to take away that peace. 
the way he takes away that peace is to get you out of being in him. So let's take a look at some of the principles that are involved with this. In Philippians 4, 6 and 9, 6 through 9, very familiar to you. Be anxious for nothing. It's so easy just to write that, isn't it? Don't you think that sometimes a Paul? Paul, that is so easy just to write. Do you know how hard that is to live? So easy just to write, just write that in there. Be anxious for. But Paul lived this. And Paul had a lot more things in his life to be concerned about than probably you or I do. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's one of the purposes, one of the things that peace will do for you. Peace is a guard of your heart. Peace stands as a guard. A guard is needed when you want to protect the things inside. You put a guard on the outside because the things that are inside are precious. You either want to keep the things inside safe or want to keep the things inside secure. Generally, one thing or the other. You want to keep them safe. You want to keep them secure. You want to keep them protected. So you put a guard on the outside. Some people in their homes, they get a guard. It's called a dog. That dog roams the, the place. You don't always take it with you when you go away. Dog stays in the house. What's he do? He guards the house. Now, if you get one of those little chihuahuas, one of those little poodles, they do not qualify. No one is afraid of them. But, you know, you get yourself a German Shepherd. Get yourself a Rottweiler, a Doberman Pinscher, dogs like that. These dogs put fear in people. And they do not want to come inside. Find out how friendly that dog is. But when they see, you know, Pekingese, they laugh. <laughs> the peace of God is more ferocious than a Doberman than a pit bull, than a German shepherd. Peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. It stands as a guard. That's what the peace of God will do. So if the enemy wants to get into your mind, if he wants to get into your heart, what does he have to do? He has to get rid of the guard. Remember Jesus taught us this in the, in the parables? He said, if you want to steal what is in the house... You have to first bind up the strong man. So the enemy knows in order for me to get in and mess with your mind, mess with your heart, I have to get rid of the strong man. Now, the strong man, he can't overcome the strong man. He can't defeat the strong man. So what he has to do is get the strong man to be dismissed. Who dismisses the strong man? The only one who has the right to, you. God's not going to dismiss the strong man. He's not going to dismiss the peace of God from guarding your hearts, guarding your mind. He's not going to do it. You have to do it. How do you dismiss the strong man from guarding your hearts and guarding your minds? Well, the verses of Scripture we saw told us exactly how to do it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, 
With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if I do what he said to do, then this is what will happen. There's really only two things in this list. First off, have no anxiety. The second one is prayer with thanksgiving. Not prayer. He did not say prayer. He said prayer with thanksgiving. That's important because listen to how a lot of people pray. Oh God, why did you let this happen to me? Oh God, it's so hard. Oh God, I don't understand. Why is this going on? Why hasn't this happened yet? That's not prayer with thanksgiving. That's prayer with complaining. Prayer with thanksgiving. How do you do prayer with thanksgiving? Father God, I thank you that even though this world is doing this and that, and even though this has happened in my life, you are still God. And I thank you that as I have made requests for these things to come about in my life, I thank you, Father, that I have them. The enemy's trying to make me think I don't have it, but thank you, Father, that I've got it because you said I have the things that I've asked for. You say I have the things that I believe. See, that's that prayer with thanksgiving. God can work with that. That will get the peace of God guarding your hearts and your minds. The other kind of stuff that people do, not going to help you. It's not going to put the guard up. We've got to put that guard up because peace is incredibly important. First off, it's a guard. A guard for your heart. A guard for your mind. One of the things we saw Jesus dealing with was people who had hard hearts. Obviously, the guard was let down. We see that the enemy tries to throw his fiery darts. Where are they targeted? Are fiery darts targeted at your heart? No, they're targeted at your head. When he gets you in your mind. He's trying to get you to think things because if he can get you to think things then they can filter down into your heart. But the peace of God will guard not only your heart, it will also guard your mind. If you let it work. So, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are True, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. How many of you can think just this week of some things that don't make this list that you are meditating on? The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So he says, I'm not just telling you to do things. I've, you've seen me do them. And those things that you've seen me do... Those things that you've seen me say, I want you to do the same things. Follow after the same pattern. Do the same thing. Now, we've gone, been over this verse a number of times. You ought to have this verse memorized. It doesn't mean that you're doing it, but you ought to have it at least memorized. And then you ought to just meditate on this every once in a while. Every day would be good. Just keep meditating on it. Just keep going over it. Because apparently, there's a lot of good things that would happen if we could do these things. Be anxious for nothing. Now, don't raise your outside hand. Use your inside hand. How many of you could say that this week anxiety got a hold of you? Did you make the list? Be anxious for nothing. That means if I am anxious for anything, I am anxious for something, and thereby, thereby not nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Did you know it is possible for you to not have any anxiety about anything? Did you know that that was even possible? That you can go not only a day 
but a week, a month, a year, the rest of your life, and not be anxious about anything. doesn't mean you don't care about anything. It just means you're not anxious about it. I'm not so... Uh, I'm not getting worried about it. I'm not getting fretful about it. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Don't let anything come in and get, get you anxious. Especially since a lot of times we see something, the devil sows a thought, we take that thought, we meditate on that thought until it brings anxiety into our life. And I am worried and I am concerned. What's going to happen about this? How is this going to come about? What happens to the peace of God? I've basically come up and said, you're dismissed. And the peace of God goes. Now with the guard is gone, what's the enemy going to do? Ha ha. It's open season. Let's go. The strong man's out of the way. Now how do you stop being anxious? First Peter, chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. How many of y'all like that? We uh, spent some time a while back on submission. It's important that we stop putting ourselves over other people. Submit yourselves to your, to your elders. What did Jesus say? If you want to become the greatest, if you want to become a leader, what do you do? Become the servant of all. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you know that when you become anxious and pick up the cares of this life, it is just a veiled form of pride? Humility is gone in your life because suddenly you are more important. Suddenly what you believe, what you think, and what you feel is over what the Word of God teaches us. Is that not pride? Stay humble. Stay humble. The enemy wants to get you puffed up. To think, you, you begin to think thoughts like, that shouldn't happen to me. People shouldn't do that to me. I shouldn't be talked to in that manner. I deserve better. All those kind of things. We, we cover all those phrases when we were back there in the submission area. Don't let those things come in. Thank God we do not get what we deserve. Always be grateful about that. Thank God I don't get what I deserve. When other people don't do things that you think they ought to do for you? Does God act in such a way that you will do this for me? He doesn't make anybody do it. He wants them to want to. If God doesn't make anybody do it, why should we? Now, let them go on. Who gets hurt if we don't give God the things that he asked for? <laughs> we do. We get hurt. Don't, don't be one of the ones who gets hurt. Just do what God says to do. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now notice, in a number of stories we've looked at even recently, we're going to see that one of the things that the enemy tries to do is to get you to doubt that the master cares about you. Remember, Mary, she's in the kitchen doing all the work. No one else is helping her. And she comes out, barges into the meeting. Do you not care that I've been left to do all the work? Do you not care that my sister has not come to help me? She's in there thinking about this, doubting that the, the master has any care. Remember back in the, in the boat, in the storm, the disciples come down to Jesus 
And they say what? Do you not care that we are perishing? We see that happen quite a bit. You can even make a case for Adam and Eve back in the garden. Do you not care that we will not be as gods? Do you not care that something is being withheld from us? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The reason I take on the care and the anxiety of a thing is because I don't believe God is doing a good enough job with it. Isn't that right? If you thought God was doing a sufficient job with your cares, worries, and anxieties, would you take them back? No. No. Now think of it when you're little kids, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. I don't know when it stops, but sometime eventually it does. But when those little kids come in and they make a request of you and, and they put it in your hands, do they have any care and anxiety about it anymore? No. No, I... My, I told my mom about that. She's going to take care of it. And they go on. They just, they just rest it as being taken care of. Don't they? Hey, they don't pick it up back up again because they have total confidence that you care for them. And they don't, they don't pick it up. We've got to be more like that. Stop picking up all these cares and anxieties again. But the enemy wants to come along and says, if God really cared about you, if you really cared about that, would be gone by now. If he really cared about you, this wouldn't be happening. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, we picked up the care and the, and the worry and anxiety. If I pick up the care, the worry and anxiety, what happens to the garden? He's gone. And this is only one function that he has, which is to guard your hearts and your minds. It's only one function. There's others. But this is one. But your strong man is gone. The peace of God is now gone in your life because you pick these things up. People get fretful. They get worried. Have you ever run into I'm sure no one here. But people that you know, in the neighborhood, relatives, things like that. Uh, just constantly, out of their mouth, there's always one worry after another. Anxiety, fear, worry, just constant. Every time you call them up on the phone, oh, I am so worried that this is going to happen. Did you hear about, did you hear this? Oh, I think this might. Fear, worry, anxiety. You don't need that. Don't be picking those things up. Keep the guard on. God will do a good job. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not the only one going through this stuff. Other people have gone through it. But the enemy is trying to get in. He's trying to get you to have anxiety, to have fear, to have worry, to bring these things in. But you don't need to do it. You don't need to go after that way. Here's the... Here's the keys we found so far. No anxiety and prayer with thanksgiving. We're going to find some others too. But no anxiety, prayers with thanksgiving. Keep thanksgiving in your prayer. Keep thanksgiving in your life. Just live that way. Always be thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Always. Always be thankful. Just never get to a spot where, oh, I'm so dissatisfied with this. I wish I had a new one of these or a different thing here. Don't do it. Always be thankful. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Doesn't it seem like it's up to you? It doesn't seem like it's up to God, does it? It doesn't seem like it's up to Jesus. It doesn't seem like it's up to the Holy Spirit. He says, let not your heart be troubled. So who's doing the letting? 
That would be me. Whose heart's he talking about? That'd be mine. Let not your heart be troubled. Six words. <laughs> Jesus says a lot in a little bit of time. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. When Jesus talks about him leaving, the disciples get kind of nervous. What do you mean you're leaving? What do you mean you're going? He says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled about this or basically anything else. If I go, just know this. If I go, I am going to prepare a place for you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm coming again. Why? To receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. Well, you've got to believe those words. He goes on in verse 20 or verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, the King James puts the word there, helper, comforter. Put in there, helper, comforter. A lot of times, just having somebody coming along and help, how many of you feel comfort from that? If you've got to move a sofa up three flights of floors, what do you got to do? You doing it by yourself? How's that going to do? Oh, man, you can get worried, fear, anxiety. But somebody comes up and says, hey, can I give you a hand with that? What happens? Oh, thank you. Comfort. And I will pray the Father and He will send you another helper, comforter, that He may abide with you, how long? Forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It sounds like it's completely up to you. If a heavy storm comes. When was the last time we had a heavy storm out here? I can't remember. I generally like them. I get disappointed when they're calling for thunderstorms and nothing happens. I kind of like to go outside and just, uh, oh, we did have one. Last, last Sunday night we had thunderstorm. Yeah, I was outside in, in the running in it. And it came. I thought, this is so cool. I, just, I was as happy as could be. Man, I was thrilled. I hadn't been got caught out in a thunderstorm in a long time. Flashes of lightning going around. Loud claps. Of th- oh, it was heaven on earth. It was great. I, I miss those times. Oh, I'll tell you what, I miss those times. But it was, it was good. I love storms. I love sitting in them. I like watch, watching that power. Because you know what? I'm not afraid of them. If you were convinced that no storm would ever knock your house down, knock a tree down into your house, knock the power out, or in any ways cause you harm, how many of you could enjoy them a whole lot more? I mean, isn't it the fear that something's going to fall on my house? My house is going to fall apart. Something's going to be damaged in my house. Somehow, you know, lightning is going to, to strike, strike me and so forth. Now, people always want to tell you, when I, I love running on thunderstorms. It's just cool. You know, well, it's dangerous. 
It's a, I, I run in thunderstorms for the same reason. Same reason. I don't play the lottery. Same reason. What are the chances? Right? I don't play the lottery because what are the chances you're actually going to win? Not very good. What are the chances you're going to be struck by lightning? They are not very good. They're not. If, now, how many of you have been through a lot of storms and they did not hurt you? Raise your hand. This can do your eyes. They have not hurt you. But that didn't help you when you were going through the storm, did it? No storm had ever hurt you before, but now this storm is here. Loud thunder, high winds. It can get you to be in fear. It can get you to be anxious. But when you get done the storm, how, how much more could you have enjoyed that, just all that was going on around there, if you weren't afraid? I've told you my dream, my dream, one of my dreams, is to go down to Florida during a, about a, I want a class three hurricane. I'm not talking four or five. I'm talking class three hurricane. And I want a beachfront high rise hotel. Beach. I want to be right there on the beach. I want to be in the location where they expect the eye of the storm to come across. This is, this, I, my son and I, we both had the same dream. One of these days we're going we're gonna to take it on. Because in a high-rise hotel, when was the last time you heard of a high-rise hotel falling down in a hurricane? Now, those things are built strong. Those things have foundations all the way on. I'm not talking about going out there in a little house. I'm talking about a big 20, 30, 40-story high-rise hotel right on the beach and just watch this thing come in. Maybe even be a weather person for a while and go outside in the storm. And, you know, I don't know why they have to report on the weather in the storm. That's what they do. But, you know, if you were convinced that nothing would happen to you, wouldn't it be kind of cool to go through that? All right, not everybody shares my, my dream on that. Okay. But uh, the biggest thing that we have with it, it's our, it's our fear that something bad is going to happen. Something damaging is going to go on. We have that fear. We have that concern. If we got rid of that fear and that concern, the anxiety wouldn't be there. Jesus said here in the last verse, look at that. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That means that there is nothing in this world that should cause you fear. What about snakes? I don't, I don't really much like snakes. I'd... I'm just not a fan. I never kept one as a pet. Rick Renner. How many like Rick Renner? Rick Renner loves snakes. He kept snakes as pets that I do not understand the wisdom of bringing something that dangerous into your house. And one time, have you ever heard him talk about the story where this one very dangerous snake was in the cage and it got out in the room? We're not talking... Snake. We're not talking snake. We're talking bigger than he was, snake. And it got out. And he talks about the destruction of the room, trying to get that snake under control and brought back into the, uh, the cage that it's supposed to go in. I'm thinking, I just don't want to have that. You know, <laughs> So that would be a situation that I'm, I'm still working on this verse right here. You know, if I'm in the room with that snake, 
I'm, I'm thinking, be anxious for nothing. I'm going to leave. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Horrible. Really tough fight. Um, and he, he had it as a pet. Mm. So that's uh, Rick Renner's story. I don't know where he told that story. Somewhere on one of his tapes or books, he, he writes that story about the thing. And I think he, it had a name, something like Lucifer or some kind of crazy name like that. I think when he got it, it had that name. He might have changed it or something like that. It was some kind of a thing like that. But there are still some things that we have that, you know, fear can come up on. You know, sometimes I've been running on a trail and a snake is there. I usually don't try and figure out what kind of snake is it. I just move away. I just go in a direction to get away from the snake so I can keep on going and not be. But I don't need to challenge the snake. I don't need to see whose faith is greater. There's nothing like that going on. It's just, you know, snake, you, you're over there. Uh, I'm going over here. I just, I don't like it. You know, it just, there was one time I was on a trail back in college and I got lost in the run. And I'm on a trail, running with other cross-country runners. And all of a sudden, I took in my surroundings. Because sometimes when you're out running, we're pushing it. You're not, you're not taking your, you're just kind of aware where you're going. And I'm thinking, there's a snake in the path, and I just stepped over it. Just as I realized that, my heel was coming down on him. He was coiled up on the, on the thing. I could feel the, pre- I don't know why it didn't bite. I have no idea why it didn't bite. I could feel the pressure of my heel coming down on this snake. And immediately, that's when I became aware that I, the snake is in the path. So immediately, I took the pressure off of my heel Changed my, how I was right, get her back on my toe and get out of there. And um, I don't know what kind of snake it was. I don't know. It was a big enough snake that it was coiled up, but I didn't, I didn't care. I just wanted to go. Don't like, I don't like snakes. I don't want to, and if it's a garter snake, something like that, you know, it's not a big deal. I just, poisonous snakes? Why? Why? One of them wanted to get to heaven. God, why? Why do we need to have these, I, but, you know, we have those, we all have a, maybe a few things left that can bring fear in us. But it says, neither let it be your heart, neither let it be afraid. It's up to me. Even with something like a snake, it is up to me if I am going to become afraid. What are we going to do with the things that cause fear in us? I've got to do something to get those things out. Get those things, you know... I, I used to be afraid of vegetables. My brother, too, also shared in my fear of vegetables. His was greater. And it was uh, very hard getting us to eat the vegetables as a kid. Now, I will eat vegetables. On occasion, I'm not afraid of them. Don't like them as much as some other things, but you know, they're, they're there. But you know, these things, they can come in. You can overcome some of these things that are causing you fear. What is it that causes you fear? How many like to show Monk? Did you ever see that episode where Monk was given, a, he had to find a new psychiatrist? And so they gave him the paper to fill out, to fill out all the stuff on there. And they said, uh, you know, in this section, they gave him a section, list your fears. And he, he says, well, I need more, more space than that. Do you have more paper? And so they gave him a sheet of paper. Do you have more paper? They gave him another sheet of paper. Do you have more paper? <laughs> He's going to write down all the, all the things he's afraid of. Don't be like that. Don't have fears. Whatever it is that we've got, we've got to target it. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if there's still some things that can bring fear. Now we've been talking about you know, stupid stuff like snakes and, and vegetables and storms and things like, things like that. But what about losing your job? What about a fear of 
if the economy tanks? What about a fear of losing your savings? What about fears like that? Has those kind of things ever come in and tried to get you, take over your life? Don't let it. Don't let it. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You want that peace guarding you? That's what we need to do. Don't, the enemy's going to come in. He's going to say, stock market's going to crash. You're going to lose all your investments. You're going to lose your retirement fund. You're going to lose your savings. You're going to lose your job. Those kind of things are coming. Would God ever say that to you? If God's not saying it to you, you wouldn't say that to you, would you? So where's it coming from? We need to stand against it. If I allow that to come in, the peace of God is going to be going and we're going to miss some of the things that it's supposed to do because one of them is a guard. That's not the only thing, but it is one of those things that it is supposed to do. Let's go on here. Isaiah 26, verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because why? Because he trusts in you. See, the enemy of perfect peace is a lack of trust. The enemy wants to get us to not trust in our God, just like we saw in all the other verses. Don't trust in him. He's not going to come through for you. He hasn't come through for you. You're going to fail in a storm. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your job. He's going to tell you all these things you're going to lose. He wants you to get in fear. He wants you to get in anxiety. Do not let it happen. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, why doesn't he say heart? Because, folks, the enemy does not have access to your heart. He has access to your mind. Your mind has access to your heart. You keep your mind clear. You keep your mind free. See, the enemy can't get to your heart, but you can. You can bring your doubts and your fears right to your heart. You can do it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because why? Because he trusts in you. If your mind is not stayed on him, it's because you do not trust in him. Work on trust. Work, your, work on getting your trust in God up. It'll change your life. Go out there and, and trust him. Now, some of you folks will say, well, running in a thunderstorm is just testing God. I, I, I hear you on that. First off, I didn't run in the thunderstorm. I ran and it was sunny. And the thunderstorm was rolling around. Now, I have a choice then. I can either alter my route or I can finish it. I decided to finish it. And glory to God, it was fun. <clears throat> Doesn't mean you go jumping off high build and say, well, God, I'm trusting in you. Jesus uh, addressed that with us, didn't he? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and, he, and be thankful. There's that thankfulness again. But look at this. We talked about this verse before, so you may be familiar with it. This word rule here, only time it's used in the New Testament is right here. What this word rule is, it, uh, it means to arbitrate, to govern, or to rule. To arbitrate, govern, or to rule. When it says, let it rule, it's not talking about, let it have the supremacy in your heart. Let it be over all things. That's not what it says. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It is there to be a guard. It is not there to be a boss. Understand? 
Sometimes we look at that, let the peace of God rule in your hearts like it is supposed to be the boss. The peace of God is not the boss. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So here's the situation. Here's the setting. We just had the World Series. I did not watch any of the World Series. I'm just not that big of a baseball fan. If the Phillies were playing, I probably would have watched some of it. But the Phillies were not playing. They were not even close to playing. So they were not there. But the Cubs were. And the Cubs, of course, they won the, the series. So I don't know what happened in, in there, what, what had gone on and, and what kind of thing. So I can't speak to the World Series. But I can speak to this. My favorite play of the entire year. I have not yet sat down this entire year. did not sit down and watch a Phillies game. I generally listen to them on the radio if I hear them at all. But I've got that wonderful little app on my phone that after the game is over, you can watch all the highlights. You don't have to watch the boring stuff because three hours of baseball includes two hours and 50 minutes of boring stuff. Most of the time. Let me like that. And they had this one play. You, you, some of you are going to think about this. You probably will remember this play. This play took place by a rookie who was out in left field and the ball was hit to him. And this rookie caught, got the ball and there was a runner who was breaking for home. And he threw the ball to the catcher who also was a rookie. Threw the ball to the catcher and the catcher caught the ball and tagged the guy out in a brilliant collision at the plate and hung on to the ball. The catcher is lying on his back. He holds the ball up to show that he's got the ball. And that was the last game he played for, I think, two or three games. Knocked him out of the, out of the thing for a but he, he held up. He did it. It was a wonderful play. This guy caught it from the outfield, threw the ball to the catch, threw a strike to the catcher. It was right there. It was just a beautiful play. I sent a link to it to my son, Christian. I said, you've got to see this play. And he texts back. He goes, wow. It was intense. But what has to happen there is that there's another, another person at the plate beside the catcher and the guy who's running to the plate. Do you know who that one is? It's the umpire. In the umpire, he's down in a position. He is watching the action at the plate. He is seeing, does the guy tag the runner coming through? Does he block the plate? Does he do anything he's not supposed to do? Does the runner get a tag on the base before he is tagged himself? Does the catcher hang on to the ball? And so you're all watching it. He holds the ball up and the umpire goes, Everybody's all but you see, that's the umpire is the one. He's, he's the one you got to hear. It doesn't matter what the catcher thinks. It doesn't matter what the runner thinks. It doesn't matter what the pitcher thinks. It doesn't matter what either the coaches think. What matters? What the umpire thinks. And that's what this, rule, this word rule means. It means you let the peace of God umpire your life. You let the peace of God decide between safe and out. Read it again. And let the peace of God rule or umpire in your hearts, to which also you were called. Called in one body and be thankful. Being thankful cures a whole lot of things. Oh, man, it does. But this, this is what the peace of God would do. Peace of God is to be a guide for you. It is to guide you through the things of life. It is to guide you into what is right and what is wrong. What is good, what is not good. What is helpful, what is harmful. 
What is the right direction? What is the wrong direction? It will guide you in these things. It will help you understand because the peace of God is down on the inside. It's apart from the world. But that peace of God down on the inside, standing guard on your hearts and your minds, you can consult that and say, is this the right thing to do? And the peace of God will guide you into these things. Now, how does the peace of God umpire in your hearts? Generally, the, in order for the peace of God to operate this way, you've got to have a decision. It says umpire. In order for an umpire to do something, he has to have a decision. A ball must have been pitched. Is it a strike or is it a ball? He's got to make that decision. Is it an out? Is it safe? Is it a foul ball? Is it a fair ball? These are the kind of things that an umpire must decide. A few other things that they have to come into, but those are the most common ones they they will do. Is it this or is it this? So let's just take, you were given an opportunity for a job. Job looks good. Job looks inviting. Job is paying you more money than you've got right now. And you want the peace of God to umpire your life. And so you consult the peace of God. How do you consult the peace of God? This is how I consult the peace of God. First off, I envision my life making the change into that job. And then I check on the peace. What's the peace of God saying to me? Peace of God still there? Peace of God at peace? Uh, seems like that's a good decision. If the peace of God is in unrest, I'm thinking, hmm, something doesn't seem to be right about that. I don't think that's a, that's a good thing. So we make that decision. Should I make this investment? Should I not make this investment? Well, you get down on your knees and you pray in the Spirit. And you envision yourself making that investment. Check with the peace of God. Envision yourself not making that investment. Check with the peace of God. I like what uh, Brother Keith Moore says. He says, I don't need the leading of God to, uh, to, to not, or to, to, to um, I don't know, how does he put it? I don't need the leading of God to not do something. I need the leading of God to do something. And most times, you know, if we're going to do something, look at the leading of God. If it's not there, don't do it. Stay back. Wait for the leading of God to, um, to make a move and to make a change. But you use that peace that's on the inside because it's a guide for you. It's a help. How many have ever made decisions? You either make this or don't make this. Take this or don't take this. Do this or don't do this. And yeah, I just don't know what to do. And anxiety can begin to come in, can it? I don't know whether I should do it or not. Should I take this? Should I not? And you go back and forth on that? If you could just rest on the peace of God, that the peace of God is telling you the right thing, and you can say, he says, no, I don't do it. I just know that. Now I'm feeling the peace of God just telling me to stay where I'm at. Don't do it. And I have from God that it's a good thing not to do. How many of y'all know you're in more rest to not do it? You're in more rest to do it. I told you the story before. The, when I went down to Tulsa, had no job, had no place to stay, had to go around looking for a job, went into a, one place, had, a, had a, three different places I was going to go looking for jobs, and I stopped in at the first place, put in an application, no manager there, no interview. So I just put the application in. I left the, that first place. I walked over to the second place, walking on my way to the second place. God says, now this is just him speaking to me, um, just in the spirit, not loud or audible, just in my spirit, just why look anyplace else? That's where you're going to work. I said, oh, 
Well, I guess there's no sense in me wasting my time. So I didn't go to the second spot. I went on home. Came on back, I think, the next day or whatever it was, and uh, the manager still was not in. I still don't have a job. You know what I have? I have the peace of God. I can, I can walk in the peace of God. Came back on the, the third day. The manager was in. Got my interview, hired on the spot. I mean, it wasn't an out-of-this-world type of job, but it was a good job for me. Helped me out. was right near, within uh, walking distance. I'd have a car there so I could get out there and do that. Uh, There's a number of times that uh, God has shown me, you know, either take this or don't take this. Do this or don't do that. And I had to listen to the peace of God. Do I have the peace of God to make that change? You tune into it. It's there to guide you. It's there to help you. That peace of God. It's not the peace that's in the world. It's not a good feeling or just a good feeling. It's the peace of God. And the more that you walk in this, the more it can rule your life. In 1 Corinthians 14:33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. He's not the author of confusion. If you've got a confusion about, well, should I take this or not? God's not the author of that. The peace of God is there to, to level that out for you. But you're not letting the peace of God level that out. And he'll, the, the, the more that you find out how much the peace of God is here for you, it will help you with all sorts of stuff. You know, even sometimes making bunk beds. People call up and they want me to make a bunk bed. Now, normally if people call me up and they want me to make a bunk bed, you know what my answer is? Sure. Or, you know, what kind do you want? But every once in a while, someone calls me up and down in my spirit, don't do it. Don't do it. And so I'm cordial with my to say, you know what? The Spirit of God is telling me not to make your bunk bed. I don't do that. <laughs> I get rude or obnoxious to them. But I, I, I got that in. So um, I tell them what they want to, want to do, but I don't pursue it. I don't pursue it. Now, sometimes you don't pursue it and uh, something else doesn't come in and take its spot and you begin to think, well, I wonder if I should have pursued that a little bit more. And uh, I've learned, you know, sometimes that I pursued something. I felt, I don't know, that's not feeling real good about that. But I pursued it and sure enough, along the line, I thought, I should have stayed out of that one. Should have, should have stayed away from that one. And, um, you know, I, you, you learn, even as much as you know, there's still times, do the wrong thing. You know, well, you should take a job or you not take a job. Whether you should do this thing or not do this thing. Whether you should help over here or not help over here. Whatever it might be that's, that's going on. Just listen to the peace of God. Peace of God will talk to you. It will speak to you. No, 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 I'm not feeling peace about this one. I just feel, un, feel unrest if I were to go out there and to do this. No, I'm not going to do it. Peace of God is there to umpire you. He's telling you, out. Listen to him. God is not the author of confusion. So tap into that, that peace of God. Don't just let it sit there dormant. Tap into it. Utilize it. Help it. Father God, you gave me the peace of God. I'm going to use it here to help me decide. Because a lot of times what we're doing is, Father God, give me the wisdom to know whether I should do this or not. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And God says, I gave you the peace of God. That's what it's there for. It's there to umpire your life. It's there to help you to make a decision. Yes or no. Use the peace. I gave it to you. Why don't you use what I gave you? So understand, that's what the peace of God is there to do. It's there to help you out. It's there to, to keep you going. And we didn't even put this in your, your outline. We'll show you some of this down the road. The peace of God is a stabilizing force. It's a stabilizing force. When you get the peace of God going strong in your life, when you are tuned into it, 
And you understand what it's to do. It's the guard. It's the guy. But it, is, it becomes a stabilizing force for you. And when the enemy comes over and he tries to knock you over with storms, knock you over with tribulations, knock you over with worries and cares, you just stand right there and you don't move, get moved at all. Because the peace of God is a stabilizing force. And he can't get you off. He can't get you to... to, to Lessen your hope. You just keep standing. And he's throwing other stuff at you. And you keep standing. He's getting frustrated. And he's throwing some other cares and worries at you. And you just keep standing. He has, somehow he's got to get you off of this. Somehow he's got to get you moved. So he's going to come in and attack your joy and get you a little bit less strong. He's going to come in and try and get some other fears and worries. These ones have always worked. Let me try this one. Don't let them do it. In Romans chapter 14, verse 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. The peace of God, folks, is attainable in your life. It's not something you're waiting for to come on you. It is something you can attain. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Those are the kind of things that we are to pursue. Romans chapter 15 Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So he wants to fill you with joy. He wants to fill you with peace. Peace can be filled up in your life. You've got to pursue it. There are things that you can do to bring, make peace work in your life. There are things you can do to make peace go. Just like there are things you can do to bring joy in your life and things you can do to make joy go. What is it that we have to be doing? What is it we have to be mindful of? I put the quote in the bulletin in your outline this time just to make sure you got it. Peace is the fruit of believing prayer. Peace is the fruit of believing prayer. Look at this verse again. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Believing. There needs to be a believing in your life for the peace and joy to flourish. There needs to be that walk of faith. You need to stand in things in faith. You need to be believing, not doubting. If he can get you to doubt, he can get you to be fickle. He can get you to be uh, wavering. And what's James say about those who waver? They will receive nothing from the Lord. But anxiety comes... We make our request before God with thanksgiving and we keep that believing going. Keeping that believing means once I make the request to God, do I come to Him again? Do I come and ask Him again? Father God, well, I need this again. I asked yesterday, but apparently it didn't come. So I'm asking again. No. Don't be doing that. We don't need to be asking over and over and over. Be believing. Did you ask for God for that thing? You're going to be in believing. You're going to see joy and peace. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's finish this off. So first off, refuse to be anxious. That's the first thing. Refuse to be anxious. I will not be anxious. Anxious Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But by all things, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So, be 
anxious for nothing. Get anxiety out of your life. That's the first thing. Put it up there. Your daily to-do list. Refuse to be anxious. Just wake up and tell yourself, I will not be anxious today. I will not. Secondly, stay thankful. Stay thankful. If you see grumbling coming up on the inside, grumbling coming up and bubbling out in your words, stop it. Stay thankful. You know, take that, uh, that who's that guy that talks about the, the, the one, the beer commercial guy? I don't know what his name is. He says, you know, stay thirsty, my friends. Get that little poster, cross it out. Stay thankful. Stay thankful. Every time I hear him, every single time he comes on the radio and I hear that, I always hear, stay thankful. I just change it in my head. I just change it. Stay thankful. Stay thankful. I got to remember that. Every day, every hour of the day, every minute of every hour, stay thankful. Don't grumble about your family. Don't grumble about your kids. Don't grumble about your pets. Don't grumble about your job. Don't grumble about your neighborhood. Don't grumble about your house. Don't grumble about your car. Don't grumble about your bank account. Don't grumble about what you have. Don't grumble about what you don't have. Stay thankful. And if you begin to hear grumbling, complaining words coming out of your mouth, stop them. Stop them. Stay thankful. No, no, stay thankful. Stay thankful for your family. Stay thankful for the blessings God has put in your life. Stay thankful for those that are in your neighborhood, your neighbors. Oh, you don't know my neighbors. No, I don't. I just know what the Word of God says. What's the Word of God say? Stay thankful. Look at some of Jesus' neighbors. Stay thankful. Here's the next one. Be humble. Don't begin to think, well, I should get this. I, should have, I shouldn't have to put up with this. I should have. I should be. That's pride. Get it out. Stay humble. Be in a humble mind frame. Got to do that. Refuse to be anxious. Stay thankful. Be humble. And make faith-filled prayers to God about the things you need. When you need something, don't sit there and say, well, I don't want to trouble God with it. You're not troubling God with it. God says, if you have need of anything, what's He say to do? Ask. How are you supposed to ask? Ask in faith. Be believing. Be thankful. So make faith-filled prayers to God about the things you need. So you can write these next four things in if you want to. I'll just kind of summarize them. In my life, peace is lacking. If, I'm sorry. If in my life, peace is lacking, then which of these things is lacking in my living? Which of these things is lacking in my living? And we're just summarizing the things we just went over. First off, casting. Are you not casting your cares upon the Lord? Do you need to work on your casting? Do you need to work on, on getting, being able to do that? How many of you, when you were a kid, learned how to throw? How'd you learn how to throw? Somebody got on the other side of the yard, you got the ball, and you threw it. And the first couple of times you threw it, it looked pretty bad. You know, elbows going in directions it's not supposed to go and we're not sure why we're doing it this way or why we're holding it the way we're holding it but, and it doesn't go where we want. It kind of went over there or it went down. But eventually, you know, we, we got hold of it and we, we were able to throw that ball or throw that frisbee or throw that whatever it is. We learned how to do it. 
How would you do it? By practicing. So you've got to learn how to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So it's casting the area that you've got to be working on. If peace is lacking, what is it that you need to be working on in your living? So casting is one. Thanksgiving is another. Every time that grumbling wants to come out of your mouth, replace it with thanksgiving. And don't be this false stuff either. You know, if a grumble wants to come up about your neighbor, can't believe i got to live next to that, some, such a person. Don't turn it into this kind of a thanksgiving. Father God, I am so thankful that you have put such a nasty person next to me. That's not right. That's not the way to go. You've got to be in a place of thanksgiving. You've got to be thankful. What is it you can be thankful for? Well, Father God, you put me next to this person next, next door, and they are, man, they are unhappy. I thank you that you give me an, op- an opportunity to be a point of contact, to be able to bring them out of their unhappiness, to be able to show them another way. You can have genuine thanksgiving even in those kind of situations. You don't have to sit there and say, thank you, Father God, that you have chosen me to endure this test and this trial with this terrible neighbor. No. Be thankful. Father God, what is my purpose in being here next to this, this person? What can I do to make this situation better? Be thankful. Humility. Am I lacking in the area of humility? Do I need to improve that? Do I need to stop thinking about the things I deserve, the things I should have, the things other people ought to be doing for me? Work on your humility. You ought to be able to go before God and say, Father God, if no one does another thing for me, if nothing ever happens, thank God for all the things that I've had so far. And I just thank you, Father, for what's ahead for me in the future. Don't ever get to a spot, well, this one ought to do this, and this one ought to do that, and how come this one hasn't done these kind of things? That's not humility, that's pride. Here's the last one, believing. Increase your believing. How do you increase your believing? Get into the Word of God. Practice on some of the smaller stuff. I'm practicing some of the smaller stuff so I can get a hold of some of these bigger things. I'm going to work on some of these smaller things so I can get some of these bigger things. The peace of God is huge in your life. It is your guard. It is your guide. And it is a stabilizing force. Then, then when it is going on the inside of you, it's like a gyroscope. And you cannot be moved off of it. Cannot be moved. No matter what the force is that comes against you. Would you all stand up? As we end here today, I asked Nikolai if he'd come up and sing the song that we did on um, Friday night. And I don't know that it's a new song, but uh, so, so Vanessa, you know the song, I Surrender, Hill Song? And I'm not singing this. If you can pull it up and put it on the, on the, the front there. My wife was uh, feeling through church that this is a song that we ought to, ought to be singing. As I looked at the words, I went back and checked the words out with, with Daryl. I said, yeah, we can make that work here in the, at the end. Um, so you sing this song. The peace of God. It's just about surrendering to God. Instead of the, the flesh coming up on the inside, it's just about surrendering to God. That's all that it is. Father God, I'm casting all my cares. Father God, you, I'm surrendering that area. Father God, I, I will walk humbly before you. I'm surrendering in that area. I'm not going to require that everybody do certain things for me. I'm going to be humble. 
going to walk in the area of thanksgiving. Constantly just so glad for all the things you have blessed me with. And I'm going to be believing, trusting in you. Not trusting in myself, trusting in you. As we sing this song, think of the words and surrender to God. And the peace of God will rule in your heart and in your mind. One of the greatest acts we have in demonstrating this whole principle is in the life of Jesus Christ. As he went to the cross. We see that he went to the cross humbly. Not looking at what he deserved. Not looking at what people should have done for him. He cast his cares upon the Father in the garden. And he came out without any anxiety or fear. And he was thankful. Thankful for what he was going to gain in you, in the church. Thankful. And he was believing. Because he believed that the Father would not leave him in hell. But would resurrect him and bring him back. It's the example we can follow. On the night that Jesus was betrayed before he went to the cross, brought his disciples together in the upper room and as they were preparing to eat the meal, came in, they sat down at the table. And he says, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. As we eat this together, we to remember that on his body was put our pains, was put our sickness, put our diseases. We do not have to bear them in our body anymore. He has already borne them in his. Let's eat together. The same night after supper was over, he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood which is poured out for you. All we need for the forgiveness of sins is the blood of Jesus, not our own acts of righteousness, not our own good things that we would do. All we need is what he did. Let's remember the blood of Jesus Christ together as we drink. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. What a great God you are. I thank you, Father, that you gave up your son, allowed him to be crucified by men on the cross. Then you resurrected him three days later gave him a renewed body showed us the things that were to come for ourselves thank you Father for that great love that you have for us give me the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name Amen before we go here this morning we have some praise reports if you have a praise report and didn't turn it in yet bring it on over we will, we will read that on read that in there what you doing? Praise reports. Ray's ass says, where's Ray? There he is. Um, I praise God for not forgetting me even when I forget him. I praise his healing power, amen, and my recent illness and revealing what I believe to be the solution. Thank you to my friends at Zoe for your prayers. Thank you to Pastor for reminding me to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Daryl says, I was able to share some things in the word with some Christians that they were unaware of. <laughs> That's fun. And you're into the yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I put in um, most of the things that are on the schedule here for November. I did forget a couple of things for, for this. Uh, you men, on the 18th, it's a Friday night, we're going to have a men's night out. We're going to have a movie night. I'm not sure. There's a movie that we were talking about that we picked, and I can't remember what the movie was. So we'll have it out there for you. But uh, plan on that. I think it's going to be somewhere around, oh, is it the Jack Reacher movie? That does sound right, the new Jack Reacher movie. Okay. We're probably, are we thinking somewhere around 8 o'clock-ish? 7 or 8, somewhere in that neck of the woods. We'll have more details of it. If you want to find out everything, uh, ask Keith. He should have all the, the details for that. But just mark that night for the 18th. Um, this Saturday morning, we have the ladies. They're going to be doing a, a function at 10 o'clock. We're going to see about getting some of those guys together that we can come on in. There's a couple of things we need to do to both rooms. Some of them, some cabinets over there. Maybe we can do them before the ladies have their um, uh, time together. And then we can come over here and work on a few things. If we can get a, maybe a couple hours on, on Saturday morning, somewhere between 8 and 12, if you can come any of those times. If you can't come until 9 or 10, that's fine. But if you can come on over for a little bit of time, we're going to look for this Saturday. To, uh, to be able to, to work on some, some things on the, on the work day. Uh, Wednesday night we have the, uh, we're back on the schedule for the midweek service. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. And uh, do keep in mind, our covered dish dinner has been moved up two weeks. So it's going to be on the 20th. It's on, the, on your list there when that will happen. So keep that in mind. We've got some important things to go over with you. Some of them are in the bulletin for you to be thinking about. Um, and we're going to be going over some of the outreach we're going to be doing to, for people in the neighborhood. And uh, just to get an appetite wet about that, Alyssa was going to come up and show us what this is going to be. Now, these things are not just here so that we all have a good time. The idea of these activities, and even the prizes and things like that we would do, is so that you would have a greater excuse to go out and invite people to come out to church and to, and to bring them on out. So... Uh, people do think about going to church around Christmas time. We're trying to get them all the incentive. And then with you inviting them in there, that can um, really come into... Uh, everybody hears you better. Uh, I'm happy to hold. So, remind me again, how many of you guys were here? Just next to each other, like three feet, three feet apart. How many of you were here last year for the concert that we did? Except this way. Yeah, we're here for the concert. It was really nice, really sweet. How many of you, you love hearing the kids sing? It was very, it was adorable, right? We're changing that up this year. We're going to get our competitive sides out this year. And I know you all have them because I've known you for years. And I still love you. We all still love you. Um, same thing with these. But like right here, right here. We're having a game night. And I'm not talking like Scrabble or Boggle or cute little games that we sit down in this one right here. That we sit at a table. No, we have interactive, competitive games that we are going to play along with those in the community that are coming out. Now, I said this last week, and you all sat there and looked at me like I had 14 heads. So we're going to give you an example today, okay? I'm going to use, Pastor Steve, you're going to be my, my uh, chooserer. Everybody who's in here has a name in this basket. Woo! I promise you won't die. You won't be too embarrassed. I'm going to do my best. Pick two names for me, Pastor Steve. And I need, hold on, let me see who you pick first. Oh, Mr. Les Childs, come on down. Woo! Everybody cheer for Les. Yeah, let's hear it. Woo-hoo! Let's do it. Let's do it. First one. 
Oh, and our second Miss Alexis. I love you. Come on down. I need Miss Connie. Can you be a judge for me? You're going to come over this way. They are. You don't have to eat them. You don't have to eat them. That's not this game. Come back on the third, then we'll do another one. Miss Connie, you're going to go at the end over there. The object of this game, you guys are going to use snowballs because it's Christmas theme. Get it? <laughs> Everything's around Christmas. Snowballs. You are going to throw said snowballs, whatever you got to do, into each of these containers, starting closest order. All the way down to the end. You notice they get a little bit smaller, a little bit harder as you go. I'm not trying to make it easy. We're going to win prizes. This is how it goes. Your guys' job out there is to cheer them on. From Sharon over, you're Alexis's team. You're cheering for her. From Joe over this way, you're for Les. You guys got to hear for him, okay? The louder, the better. We're going to do this. Miss Connie, you are our judge. You're going to judge. They have to get it in this one first. And then in progressing order. And Lissy, if we need more marshmallows, baby, you're going to get them and run them back, okay? All right? These are the games we're going to play, people. Get used to it. We're going to have fun. You guys are going to step back here. The first one to get them in wins. The, well, does that work? Are you right-handed? Are you can switch? All right. All right. <laughs> 